Brothers and sisters, I'd like to share with you a reading that's attributed to Rabbi Hillel. Hillel and Shemaiah were antagonists on the interpretation of the Torah. Hillel was the one called the great interpreter. Shammai was called the literalist. Nothing could deviate from the Torah as written. But Hillel wrote, for each of us, life is but a journey. Birth is the beginning of that journey, and death is not the end, but the destination. It is a journey that takes us from youth to age, from innocence to awareness, from ignorance to knowledge, from foolishness to wisdom, from weakness to strength, and often back again, from offense to forgiveness, from loneliness to friendship, from pain to compassion, from fear to faith, from defeat to victory, and from victory to defeat, until whether we are looking backward or looking ahead or looking to our left or to our right, we see that victory does not lie at some high pace along the journey, but rather having made the journey stage by stage. All of us recognize that life is a journey, and most of us can require those times which were significant in our lives. How many of you recall seated at the children's table while the adults sat at the table at a family gathering? And you're wondering, what's going on over there, and why are we over here? And waiting for that time in which we can join that group. I know in our family, uh, cards were the greatest thing. They were a family of the Depression. So the weekends were spent playing cards and games. And the greatest thing was to be invited to participate in those card games. Have any of you ever heard of the game Shanghai? It's a great card game, but it's complicated. And my dad wasn't happy with how we ended the game. He had to create his own law according to his oil. And that was that if you're going to go down, you had to go down and out. And if you make a mistake, someone will yell out, Shanghai, and everybody will give you excess cards that they have and will put you in a position of wondering, what happened? Why did this happen? The other point that was great for me was when I came back from the Navy and came back from boot camp, my father and the adults of the family invited me to join the Peacock Debate Society. They debated every topic under the sun. They debated politics, they debated religion, they debated sports. And to be part of that was a sign that you're an equal. You are able to contribute to this discussion and we want to hear what you have to say. Now part of our journey, we make alone. There are other times where we make it with others. And there are times where the journey is really filled with pain, frustration, and agony, 
and we would like to be on some other path. And then there are other times filled with great joy, times in which we celebrate, not just as individuals, but as a community. And we have those in our professions, but especially we have them in our faith. Recognition of who we are and what we are called to be. And we call them sacraments. And in today's readings, we see how our forefathers in faith walked on their journey, what they found, what they were questioning, what they came to understand, and what they came to live out. Now, in our first passage, we have the letter of the prophet to a returning community. They've been in exile for 70 years. The Babylonians conquered them. They destroyed Jerusalem. Most importantly, they destroyed the temple within Jerusalem. The temple itself has a journey. It was made and built by Solomon, David's son. And it lasted for nearly 380 years. And when that was destroyed, the people saw their whole life come to an end, at least as far as they could perceive it. Some were taken off into exile. And during those 70 years, some people dropped away from the faith. They took a different path. Their journey took a different destination. Yet some remained faithful. Some realized we had made a mistake when we thought, well, gee, when Solomon dedicated the temple, God descended and he was present to us. He was there among us. He lived with us. And when an enemy approached our gates, we said, all we had to do is go to the temple and say, Lord, protect us. That's all we had to do. We don't have to worry about enemies. And the prophets kept telling them, Jeremiah, make a deal with Nebuchadnezzar. Make peace with him. And they said, we have the Lord in the temple. No reason to fear Nebuchadnezzar. Well, they learned the hard way. And now they're coming back. And they're coming back and what do they find? Those great walls that defended Jerusalem are leveled. There is no sign of the temple other than rubble. Where do we go from here? And the prophet gives them words of encouragement. You should be joyful. You have turned back to God. And God is with you. In fact, he has always been with you. And now that we are together again, it should be a time of great joy, a time of rebuilding, a time of looking forward to a new journey. St. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, this is the third letter he's written to the Galatians, and some people have come to them who are literals of the law and said, if you really want to be a true member of the faith, you have to accept the laws of the Torah, especially the law of circumcision. And Paul, if we recall, had a real unique journey himself, didn't he? 
He started out as a persecutor of the church. And to be knocked off his horse and hear a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then he asked that question, who are you? Who is this that is speaking? It is Jesus. And I have come here to put you on a new path, a path you were dedicated to in the very beginning. So Paul now tells the Galatians, hey, I have connected myself with Jesus the Christ, and I have connected myself with his cross. His crucifixion is my crucifixion. His name is my name. He is my life, for he is in me, and I am in him. What a marvelous call to the right path. I've made that mistake. Don't you make it? Come, listen to what the Lord has to say. Follow his example. Live out the journey he is calling you to. And what was that journey Jesus was calling them to? A better relationship with God. The relationship he wanted from the very beginning. Now, sacred scripture doesn't tell us about the discussion that went on between the Son and the Father. I got a funny feeling that it may have gone this way. The father comes up to Jesus and says, have you seen what's happening with our creation? You see how they've abandoned us? How they've, hearts have become stones rather than a fleshy heart? How no matter how often we approach them, no often we express love to them, they reject it? I needn't ask you, son, because you know what's going to follow. But are you willing to become one like them? Are you willing to become like them in everything except sin? We have a prayer that says Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at, but rather he humbled himself to become one like us one like us, walk the path with us, be on the journey with us, and show us how to make that journey a journey to the kingdom, a journey to total belief, total reward. And so what does he do? He sends out 72. Now, 72 had meaning to the people of his time. There were the descendants of Noah and the sons of Noah, and they were the 72 nations. So it's a sending forth out to the nations of the world. It was also a time with Moses in which 72 were called out of the elders to help Moses with the burden of governing the people. And 70 showed up at that big celebration they had where God was going to give his spirit to them. And the two remained behind. So after the ceremony, Moses is heading back to his tent, and a youngster comes up to him and says, Bildad and Shammai are out prophesying. And Joshua says to him, Lord, Lord Moses, tell him to stop. Tell those two to quit doing what they're doing. 
You know what Moses said to them? He says, I wish that all would prophesy, that all would open themselves up to the Spirit of God. Part of our opening ourselves up to the Spirit of God is in a sacrament we call confirmation, a sacrament in which we open ourselves up to the receipt of that total spirit, that spirit of love, that spirit of call, that spirit of fear not, I am with you always. Now, a number of you have asked me about my own personal journey. Well, the journey continues. I have a three-inch scar on my thigh where they took a biopsy out, and we're putting X's in the block as to what's going on with me, but we still don't know. But the answers I'm getting is putting away from my mind some of the fears that I had, because the biopsy showed that I did not have an uncurable immune deficiency. Thank you, Lord. So this past Friday, I had a MRI on my lower back. We're waiting results again. While I was there, a bunch of the technicians came out, especially the blood group, and they come out and they says, you know, we love you. And I'm going, what? what's going on here? And they said, well, when they're doing all the blood work on you and took 14 vials of blood out of you, you came up with the greatest line we've ever heard. And as they were ready to take out the 13th vial, I said to them, wait a minute. They went, what's the matter? I said, what color are my eyes? And the young technician looked at me and she said, they're brown, why? And I said, they were blue when I came in here. <laughs> and she said to me, you made my day. Most people come in and complain. You got the tourniquet too high. You're taking it out of the wrong arm. You're hurting me. And what did you do? You come out and said, what's color of my eyes? We love you. So the technician come out to pull me into the uh, MRI and I'm so familiar with the procedure and they're familiar with me because the first time they tried to put me in the MRI unit, I freaked out and they had to postpone the test. So they gave me medicine to take. So the second time I came in, I took the medicine, but I didn't quite know what was going on. And I said, what am I going to expect with this medicine? I don't feel anything. I still have the same apprehensions and all. And then one technician looked at the other, and they said, lay down. They put a towel over my eyes, put me in that machine. Those of you who've had an MRI know how much noise it makes. I thought I was back in the engine room on board a ship. I was a happy little camper. So yes, Friday I went in, no medication, no anxiety, and I said, where's my towel? <laughs> and went through it beautifully. So I wait. But the one thing I wait for is not necessarily a complete answer, but rather some sort of thing will give me an idea how I am to continue the rest of my journey. Will I be wearing this brace the rest of my life? Will there be something I can do that will eliminate some of this? The doctor in the pre-op before the surgery said to me, 
He said, well, we'll either get the results and say we need to have major surgery, or we need to have extended physiotherapy, or we can't do anything, you're just getting old. What do you think? And I says, the 17-year-old trapped in this almost 80-year-old body doesn't like that at all. So we are all called. We are all called to be on a journey. Our destination is to have our names written in heaven. So let us continue together on that journey. I thank all of you for what you've done for Sue and I during this six months of wondering, frustration, six weeks of excruciating, unremitting pain. And let's walk it together. When you're in need, come to me. When I'm in need, I know I can come to you. And for that, I thank you. And for whatever the results are, I thank you, Lord.